The Celtics wrap up their scrimmage schedule with half the team sitting out. So we'll continue our deep dives with the signing of Al Horford and we begin our discussion of Isaiah Thomas on a Wednesday locked on Celtics. Millies, let's go! Rainy days back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global, but it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Hey there, John Corrales here, MassLife.com, Boston Celtics beat reporter. Thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. All of you who are doing so really do appreciate that. Be sure to start your morning with news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Voodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. I will give you analysis and insight into the end of the Boston Celtics scrimmage schedule, a loss to the Houston Rockets where the Celtics sat seven guys, their starters plus Marcus Smart and Ennis Cantor. So the Celtics rolled out lineups that featured Brad Wanamaker, Shemi Ojale, Grant Williams, Robert Williams. You get the whole crew, right? You know, Tremont Waters, all Romeo Langford. Those were the guys that played. Meanwhile, the Rockets played their actual starters. They played their actual team. And at first, Celtics kind of came out, and it was like, oh, all right. You, they went on like a 10-0 run. And then, you know, Houston kind of put the smack down and made it really kind of ran away with it later on in the second quarter. There, I, I don't want to go too deep into this. I, I, was, I was planning to do a whole post-scrimmage podcast on – the game because I thought maybe Brad Stevens would have everybody playing and and start to ramp people up, but he wanted to give the regulars a day off. What he said was the the regulars went hard in practice yesterday and or before the day before the game on Monday, and the the team that was playing in the scrimmage had the day off, and so they flip flopped days off. The regulars took the scrimmage off, and now now everybody's back on on track for practice and whatever, heading into the first seeding game on Friday. So not much to take away from this game. There's not a whole lot that you are, are going to kind of cull from this game that matters, I think, moving forward. Here are a couple of my takeaways from, from this game. First of all, Grant Williams looked really good, especially in the first half. He was kind of in his bag. He was... He was pulling out like some kind of fancy little dribble moves. He had, you know, spinning, turnaround shots. He had fadeaway shots. He made some nice passes. Uh, it was nice to see him doing some of these things against Houston's regulars and against, uh, and I shouldn't say against, I should say with teammates that he wasn't normally playing with. It's not like he was out there with the starters and he was kind of uh, in a kind of complimentary mindset. He went out, he saw opportunities to shoot and score and he took them, didn't force it. He played comfortably and he looked confident out there. So it was nice to see him out there doing doing that. Uh, it was a nice performance from him. I'm not trying to overreact to these these scrimmages. So nice performance from Grant Williams. 
And contrast that to the performance from Robert Williams, which I didn't particularly like. And I think really what this shows is what I've been saying all along is that he has needed reps. And frankly, over the past two years, he's kind of gotten screwed out of his reps. Last season, it was because Aaron Baines and Al Horford were hurt, so they needed him around to be kind of insurance. And then this year, he got hurt. He just hasn't had the opportunity to go out there and do the things that he needs to do, like I've said in this podcast before. It's all about playing the game, getting those repetitions in, and and learning from those mistakes, sitting in film, going out, doing it again, and trying to do it the right way the next time. That's all what Robert Williams needs. And it showed out there. It showed that he looked lost a couple of times. He looked out of position a couple of times. They tried feeding him in the post a couple of times, and he did not. He's not a post player. Robert Williams is not a post player. He tried some face-up shots. Uh, he's That's... Sure, he probably should develop some some moves or something, some sort of game around the basket. He's not a post player right now. And whatever he becomes, he becomes offensively. But uh, right now, not not so much. So those two performances, obviously that's not going to be the end of what these guys are getting. We have to be clear that the seeding games are still kind of part of the ramp up the the Celtics are not taking these seeding games as like regular season must win games if you're watching these games hoping for like oh my god why aren't they doing x y or z for you know trying to win this game that's not going to be their priority their priority is getting guys the appropriate minutes getting certain units together and then from there once a minute's limit is hit for certain guys, then that's it. You're done. Like Kemba, there might be an opportunity in some of these games to beat Milwaukee, to beat Toronto, and you say, just put Kemba back in, but Kemba's hit his limit. Or Jason or Jalen or somebody, and they've hit their limit for that day. It's not about that particular win because there's no home court advantage. There's no, like, it doesn't matter if you finish second or third because you face Toronto on that same court for seven games on that same court, the same place, the travel is exactly the same. So, so they have different led displays up there or whatever. Like that doesn't really matter much. The whole point of home court advantage is you get to stay at home and sleep at home. And the other team has to travel and be in a hostile environment that doesn't exist in this. So the Celtics aren't really going for the second seed. They're going to do what they can to hold off Miami. If Miami's charging to, for the fourth seed, but that's a, Three, two and a half games out, three and a half games out, with eight games to go. The really, and one game against each other. The Celtics, in all of this, they only probably need to win that Miami game, and that's about it as far as must wins for seeding to avoid dropping to the fourth seed. So we still have time to see Robert Williams, and maybe something can click. We still have time to see other guys, uh, and maybe one of those guys can step up. Romeo Langford's an interesting guy. He showed some promise. I don't know if he's shown enough. But, look, the kid is out there defending. He's working hard defending. He makes cuts at the right time. He kind of knows what to do with the ball. He has some touch around the rim. That's It's all positive stuff. He's still a rookie, and he hasn't played much, so I don't know how much we can rely on him. But he's still got skills. And so, just an interesting over the next eight games, Watch. let's watch and see what Romeo Langford 
can do, how they use them, if they use them at all. Uh, that That's basically what I got out of this last scrimmage. I don't want to go too deep into it. Uh, the only other thing really is, <laughs> okay, two other things. Taco checked in, and I thought it was funny that Taco Fall checked in, and Mike Gorman was like, this is the first time that Taco has ever checked in to relative indifference. Like, there's always a big scene when Taco Fall checks in. So that was funny. And then Carson Edwards just posterized uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. So that's like a highlight, a career highlight for Carson Edwards. And it was just kind of funny that in that moment, like that would have been something that blew the roof off the garden and there's no real reaction to, to that moment. That's the scrimmage. Again, with so many guys out, this is it. I'm just doing one segment. The next two segments are going to be the continuation of the 2016-17 season discussion that Mike Dinan and I have had. And in part two, the segment two of this show, the Celtics sign Al Horford. And so that that's going to be the discussion. And then part three is going to be the beginning of our Isaiah Thomas discussion. So that's all coming up. Frankly, though, even though this scrimmage was not particularly great, I'm just happy to have sports back, basketball back. We've been waiting for this since March. And now that it's here, I've only got one thing on my mind, my bookie. It's a home run, slam dunk, triple overtime game winning shot, all wrapped up into one. I love it. You love it. And that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. MyBookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams. And with the start of Major League Baseball, there's never been a better time to start playing. With MyBookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Feeling good about your team's chances this year? Be sure to check out MyBookie's World Series future bets. I'm not putting my money in the Red Sox, but... Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun. Don't stop at baseball. Smart bettors are always looking towards the future. And in this case, that means obviously the NBA, basketball, hockey, football. MyBookie is already accepting bets on all your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today and MyBookie will match your deposit 100% plus They'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up to get your matched deposit, 100% matched deposit with the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You can't miss with that. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can even follow us on Spotify. All right, back to the 2016-17 discussion. We left yesterday after the drafting of Jalen Brown. Now the Celtics move into free agency. Here's the continuation of my discussion with Mike Dinan of RedsArmy.com. So the Celtics were not done adding big pieces. Obviously, Jalen Brown becomes a big piece. But that summer was a big free agent summer. The Celtics had that conversation with Kevin Durant. They, Isaiah Thomas, Tom Brady, there, there was that Hamptons trip. This was this is where the Golden State Hamptons 5 was created. This is like Kevin Durant's holed up in the Hamptons. And these teams, we got these images 
of Tom Brady and Isaiah Thomas. Kelly Olynyk was part of this thing for some reason. <laughs> like <laughs> Kelly's a goofy sidekick. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> KD, if you come here, you can make fun of me. Look at me. You can make fun of me all you want. <laughs> Whatever. Watch me eat this burrito in three bites. <laughs> but so Kevin Durant gets wooed uh, heavily, and the Celtics are also in the running for Al Horford. And I believe at that point they were they were hoping to get both. They were going to try to make both of those guys work. Um, obviously, yes. obviously that didn't work out, and Kevin Durant went to Golden State. But the Celtics, for a hot second, were thinking like, okay, we couldn't, we we, we didn't find a trade that we liked, and maybe it's because that summer they thought, hey, look. We know Al Horford is is leaving Atlanta. We feel good about Al Horford. If we can get Kevin Durant, now you've got Isaiah Thomas, Al Horford, Kevin Durant. You've got your point guard. You've got your big, your stretch five. And you've got maybe, at that point, arguably the first or second best player in the league. Yeah, that was uh, it was like 24 to 48 hours of um, high anxiety. I can remember uh, that it, w- it looked like um, when Horf- with Horford, that was happening first uh, as far as the decision-making is concerned. He was going to announce where he was going to sign. And I remember I was down at uh, the park in my town where we had the 4th of July celebration. I don't think it was the 4th of July. It was the day before or whatever. And uh, – I was sitting there, and the band is playing. We're waiting for the fireworks to start. All I kept doing was refreshing my phone, <laughs> <laughs> trying trying to get the the news on Twitter as to what was going to happen. And then, if, if you remember, Woj made a mistake. Yes. yes. Woj never makes mistakes, and and but this time he did. He uh, tweeted that it looked like. Horford was not going to choose Boston, that he was probably going to go to Washington. Oh, you know, I was crushed, right? And then suddenly, the way I remember is a few minutes later, a tweet comes through from Al Horford where he has 18 shamrocks. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. And I'm out in a public place. I couldn't jump around and act like a crazy kid. So, but what a great feeling that was, the first free agent signing in forever. Yes, this was I mean, that was significant because I think it finally put to bed this whole thing about the Celtics aren't a free agent destination. Like, I get it. It's Boston. It's cold in the winter. And I get it. But any place with money is a free agent destination. Generally speaking, if you're going to if I hate to single out like some of the small market teams like Memphis or something like that. Like Memphis is generally not a free agent destination or a place like Sacramento, but you know what? If you've got a good team and max money to spend, guess what? A free agent's going to consider going there because you, you don't have to live there 365 days a year. Yeah. Well, it was the first time in a, a long, long time that the Celtics had cap space available to sign a free agent or even right. make a pitch to one. And um, that was the part that got forgotten about most of the time, especially by people who wanted to mock the Celtics. So, uh, <laughs> you know, conveniently they forgot that part that 
there was no cap space available. But this was the first significant free agent, big money impact type player that Ainge had signed. And as you said, it was uh, it was a key to making uh, Boston look more attractive. And then the next day, I'm pretty sure it was the way I recall, um, I was out somewhere and, again, refreshing my phone, trying to see what was going on with Kevin Durant. And uh, this time, unfortunately, he tweeted that he was going to uh, Golden State instead of Boston, and that was, of course, crushing. And now we know why, because he was there three years, and they won, what, two titles? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Right. That the sad was, thing. Sad thing was that he went to the one team that probably didn't need him. It's the true. Celtics really needed him. Yeah. Golden State, they had already won a title without him, and they probably could have done it again. Sure. They definitely were going to do it with him, but that was the disappointment to me that if he wanted to make the way it turned out with his reputation and his image, you know, sure. with fans. Well, you went to the team that beat you, you know, that was seen as a weak move. Um, in hindsight, I wonder if he ever thought about that. Maybe he should have come to Boston. It would have been more of a challenge for him. Sure. It definitely, I mean, obviously it would have. You, you, you put him in there with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. You know, like you said, like obviously that's, that's a ready-made winner. Uh, that was the year. That was the cap spike year. That was the... You know, everybody had cap space. There was money to be spent everywhere. The the Warriors should not have been in that position. We've talked about it a bunch. You know, it was because Steph Curry had the bad ankles and he had a below market contract and the cap spiked that one year. Things just kind of worked out for them. There they there was no planning that put them in this position. They just happened to be gifted this this amount of cap space. And they were like, well, I mean, if we've got all this cap space, might as well pursue the best free agent out there. And, you know, it worked. So it was a, a total quirk in the system. In any other year, it, it might have worked out differently. But whatever, the Celtics had that same cap space, and they, they couldn't quite convince Kevin Durant. I personally, I never had a problem with Durant doing that. I'm not, I think that, that whole thing's overblown. But that's just me. I understand that I'm probably in the minority when it comes to that, or at least the, the, the people who, who do believe that are quite vocal about it. So it makes me feel like I'm in the minority, whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care if you think like that or not, whatever. It's fine. So, uh, but the Celtics did get Al Horford and I, I railed against that whole concept of free agents don't come to Boston because the last time prior to that, the only big free agent quote unquote, big free agent that actually spurned the Celtics when they had money was David West. Like that mm. is the only, the only one I can think of when the, when David West what was it 2012, 2013 um, when the Celtics were trying to add him and he said, no, I'm going to go to Indiana. That was the only time where a, I think you could say the Celtics had money and a free agent, decided I'm not going there uh, and I'm going to go somewhere else. And look, Indiana, Indianapolis might as well be Boston. Like it's the same, 
it, it basically the same thing. You get the same weather. It's not huge. Uh, Boston has more history and is, is, is obviously like cooler, but in, in NBA terms, like the size of the city, there's nothing particularly like special about Indianapolis that makes it stand out. Like he chose Miami over Boston. He just decided to go with a, a different city. But that's the only one. Al Horford comes along. He takes Boston's offer. Now we're cooking. The Celtics have their free agent, their big free agent, and and maybe you know the the end of that whole that whole narrative. Follow us on our social channels at lo Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. They only had fifteen players. In, on the roster in this season so that's the uh, essence of stability the chaos of bodies moving in and out that was all over with right there there are no real trades to speak of in 2016 other than uh, a couple of these draft picks the Daytona Davis and this other dude Rade goes to Memphis for a first round pick that pick ends up becoming Matisse Thibel because that gets traded away this past draft. Um, but that was it. Other, other than that, the, the Celtics signed Al Horford and they don't make another move until the next draft in 2017. The next trade Danny, Danny Ainge makes is the Fultz trade, uh, allowing him to move down to third and still get Jason Tatum. So a quiet, aside from Al Horford signing a big free agent, a quiet, summer a quiet season for Danny Ames like you said stability for the first time really for um for Brad Stevens yeah and then uh before the season started IT made that joke about they better bring out the Brinks truck yes because he was going to be coming up for a new contract and uh yeah that, that was funny I thought not everybody thought it was funny but uh, <laughs> no no <laughs> but you know, then he went out and proved it. Yeah. He proved why he, he could be that confident because he had one of the greatest seasons of any Celtic ever. 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 And that is saying something. Yes. So before the season, Isaiah Thomas met Allen Iverson for the first time. And... Allen Iverson was his hero. This is like Tatum meeting Kobe. This is like Jalen meeting T-Mac. This, this is a hero. And he goes to Philly. Isaiah Thomas goes to Philly to play in this, this kind of like pro-am. He meets Isaiah Thomas. I mean, he meets uh, uh, Allen Iverson. He gets uh, an autographed jersey. And he's, he's like, Allen Iverson calls him a killer. Like, this is like the 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 motivation like Isaiah Thomas meets his hero and Allen Iverson is like, he looks at what Allen Iverson has done and Thomas is inspired part of this inspiration of like, Hey, you know what? If I'm going to be this, I'm going to have to step up my game. Like Isaiah Thomas finds the motivation in meeting his hero and says, you know what? I, I have to, I got to be even better than, than I've been. And like you said, there's, 
it, you have only, I think Larry Bird had a better season than statistically than Isaiah Thomas this season. Larry Bird was an all time, all timer. Right. And it was the 60th pick. Right. Um, you know, it was right. just this whole season for him. It was like a Hollywood movie that if you saw it, you would say, that is such bullshit. <laughs> that could never happen. Well, who, who wrote this story? You know, because um, just so many things happened that were improbable and inspirational, really. He, he was just, it was the most fun season that you could have had as a Celtics fan. And he was the little guy and everybody pulled for him. And uh, God, geez, he just came through in every way, every way possible. Yeah. So Brad Stevens might be the biggest Isaiah Thomas fan in the world. So I spoke to Brad Stevens once about this 2016-17 season. And I told him I was working on a project about about Isaiah, you know, in, that included Isaiah Thomas. And he just looks at me and says, ridiculous. That's what the title should be. If you're talking about anything about Isaiah Thomas in 2016-17, the title should be ridiculous. And he um, – I'll just read off a couple of these quotes that I have here because um, there was the the 55 point was it 55 no 52 point game and he said basically he said it was uh, against Miami so maybe his um, like his his best game that season prior to the playoffs was in December against Miami it was on a back to back. And it, it said, um, Brad Stevens, I talked to him about it. I can't actually find the quote, but, um, he said it was a back to back. It was this ridiculous stretch. It was like, you know, four games and six nights or seven nights. Like it was one of those weird stretches. And he said, basically says, I, I came into this game. Like I was spent and I looked to my coaches and I said, if I feel like this, these guys must like, we're, we're basically going to get, get crushed. And then Isaiah Thomas scores 52. The Celtics rally. They beat Miami in overtime. And he goes off for 29 points in the fourth quarter alone. Um, and Isaiah, funny, if you remember this, he says, I looked in the stands and his mom was there. He says, I looked in the stands. My mom was like 50, 50. And I'm like, I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> so, but Brad Stevens looks to that game as one of the most like amazing Isaiah Thomas performances, because Isaiah was able to will these performances out of seemingly nowhere. Uh, he came into the season with zero, zero 40 point games. And he hit 45 different times during that regular season. Well, he was a starter now for one. Yeah. Um, you know, he hadn't been a starter his whole career. That had to contribute to it. But again, it was just um, whatever he tried to do, he was able to do it. He became the king in the fourth because he was like leading the league in fourth quarter scoring. And as you said, he had 29 in the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, he was um, he could get a shot off against anybody. It didn't seem to matter that he was short. And uh, 
He had a career high of 15 assists as well that season uh, in a game against Utah. Uh, he was player of the month in January. He made the All-Star game again. And, God, he was fifth in MVP voting. Guy was 5'9". Yeah. It's yep. still unbelievable. He made second team all NBA. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he deserved it. It's just, and, and, and the team was winning, um, 53 and 29 that year, the top seed in the East. And they won, uh, 11 of 12 from late January until just before the all-star game. That was their best stretch. And, uh, Brad Stevens almost got in the top three with coach of the year voting. Uh, so it was an eventful season all the way, uh, and and uh, the little guy was right in the center of it. The rest of this week is going to be one big Isaiah Thomas love fest. This season is one of the best seasons in Celtics history, one of the best offensive seasons in NBA history, and we're going to give Isaiah Thomas the appropriate amount of love for a season that ended so tragically for him. I can't believe that after all of the – the wild success that he had, that it ended the way that it did. But the rest of this week is all about Isaiah Thomas and showing him the love that he earned, that he deserved. So be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Celtics podcast if you haven't. If you have, give it a five-star rating and a good written review. Also, be sure to check out the Locked On NBA podcast because we are in the midst of our capsule previews, our re-previews, Every team in the bubble, a three to four minute kind of synopsis of what you should expect from each team. It's all on Locked On NBA for the rest of this week. Check it out. I'll be doing the one for the Celtics coming up. So subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you find the Locked On Celtics podcast as well. And of course, share the podcast. Tell your friends, tell other people that they should be listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.